0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Meyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Meyer. talking about one of these isms. Now, I've identified uh, five of these particular kinds of isms. One is socialism. One is political ism. Another is religious isms. Another is global isms. But then there's another one that's trickier than any of the others, and that is science isms. Now, that may seem like an oxymoron to you. Because you thought that all science was pure, didn't you? Isn't that what science is? Pure truth? Well, not quite. Science itself can be very uh, deceptive. In fact, science can be and is seductively deceptive precisely because of how people popularly perceive it. Also, contrary to popular notions, science has profound spiritual implications and applications. Here's the deal listen carefully, pure science is not pure. Pure science is not pure. In fact, the whole idea, the term pure science is a virtual oxymoron. The reason is that every scientist, wittingly or unwittingly, brings to his or her so-called scientific endeavor a host of isms and viewpoints that can either overtly or covertly affect the choice of the projects that he promotes, the plan of inquiry, the perception for interpreting the data, and even preconceived conclusions. And the public, that's you, is not usually privy to these hidden and undisclosed preconceptions and false real conclusions. So, pure science isn't truly pure. So the pretense, then, of scientific purity is what prevails in the public mind. In fact, your mind and my mind, it's this pretense of purity that seduces the unsuspecting to sacrifice true principles, practices, and profound beliefs on the altar of science, and that includes Christians. That even includes Christian pastors, friends. And today on Viewpoint, we want to talk about it. J.P. Moreland joining us again here on Viewpoint to talk about this Ism, scientism. JP, it's good to have you back on the program. And it's amazing that you should be talking about this from the ultimate place of deception, California.
1: Well, Chuck, uh, it's great to be with you, and it's not great to be with you from that ultimate place of deception. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, at least you're in Orange County, which uh, yeah, tends to be less sanity. deceived.
1: Less uh, deceived
0: than the rest of California.
1: I think one out of ten of my neighbors is sane.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, one has to wonder, though, when you start considering this issue of scientism that you've written about so uh, yes. profoundly. And and by the way, uh, if, if our guests, if our, our listeners were not aware of it, I didn't read this from your book. I read it from mine. Yes the book, Seduction of the Saints, How to Stay Pure in a World of Deception. Yes. So you and I are on exactly the same well, we are. Uh, pathway of thinking, and that's a wonderful thing, isn't it?
1: Well, it is, and it, it, it's especially wonderful because this ideology is, according to Dallas Willard, the single most dangerous idea on the stage of life today, but people have never heard of it, even though they have absorbed it because it's in the drinking water, Chuck. And mm-hmm. so uh, what we have to do, what, the reason I wrote secular, uh, Scientism and Secularism was to try to make clear what this is so people could spot it, why it matters, why is it important, and how do you refute it and respond to it. And so uh, I think you and I are both uh, trying to alert our Christian, and just the public and our mm-hmm. Christian brothers and sisters, uh, to 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 stay away from this thing because it's it's sucking us in. Well,
0: it really is, and science itself then has become a modern ism, And uh, when I think of isms, we have so many isms today uh, in the religious world. We have Mormonism, uh, Confucianism, <laughs> yeah, <there laughs> uh, Shintoism. Know. Uh we have uh, just a whole variety of isms, and I th- tell me if I'm wrong, but as I would define an ism, it's kind of like a belief system framed around a nugget of truth. So you have something that's true, and then yeah. you frame the rest of your worldview or your ideas around it, and it becomes a driving force in your life that isn't necessarily true.
1: Well, I, I like that, and I, and I, as I point out, it, uh... It, it not only is framed around a nugget of truth, but it goes to the extreme with that nugget of truth, and mm-hmm. it makes it, it makes it what it was never intended to be. Right. And 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 that's the problem that we're facing today, in my, in my view.
0: I think the, probably the most classic example of this, with regard to science, is the uh, statement of uh, the biologist, evolutionary biologist, Levonson at Harvard, when he made the statement that, uh, you know what, it really doesn't matter if you can show all kinds of evidence to the contrary to evolution. The reason it doesn't matter is because even if you would seem to prove your case, we cannot, as scientists, allow a divine foot in the door. And what he's actually saying is, from our perspective, there is no such thing as truth outside of science. Now that's not science; that's scientism, isn't it?
1: Oh, you are on the money. In fact, uh, let's just get the definition out there so people can understand this. Uh, scientism is is really a—it's actually a view in philosophy, but it's also. A popular cultural idea and it says that the only way that we can know truth about reality is through the hard sciences if you can test something and quantify your data and demonstrate it in the lab and it passes then you can know it's real and true in physics and chemistry and biology and let's say neuroscience so that's why nobody would say you're legislating chemistry if you get up and say hydrochloric acid is HCl. Hey, dude, don't legislate your chemistry on me. Uh, <laughs> that's your truth, but I have my truth. No, because we all take it that you can know things in science. Mm-hmm. But if a claim is made in, outside the hard sciences, especially in a, re, a religious or theological assertion, god exists uh christ rose from the dead uh, whatever it might be uh, or in ethics or politics for that matter these are now regarded as being mere expressions of personal emotion and private feeling and opinion nobody knows who's right and And there lies the the
0: issue issue. where science becomes a quasi-religion we'll be right back It's always a delight to be able to come before you, my friends, my listening friends, to talk about the things that matter most. We're confronting the deepest issues that touch America's heart and America's home, particularly Christian Americans. You see, God didn't call me to speak to all of America. He called me to speak to those who profess to be his followers. That's his warmest audience. And did you know that all of the warnings of Scripture concerning deception are not to pagans? They're not to unbelievers or disbelievers, but they're to so-called believers. You might think about why that is. All of the warnings of Scripture concerning deception and seduction are to professing believers. Hmm. That means we're susceptible to seduction and deception. And one of the principal seductions and deceptions of our time has to do with a term called scientism that sounds so truth-bearing because it begins with the word science that we have come to revere. And uh, I want to make available to you uh, our guest book, uh, Scientism and Secularism, because scientism is one of the principal expressions and uh, uh, vehicles through which secularism is uh, preached, shall we say, as the new religion of the day. Scientism and Secularism, it's a $17 book, brand new, by the way, and it's yours for $14 here on our program today. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. You can give us a call at one 800 save USA. 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, PO Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, JP, one of the things that I noticed is that you have a childhood that goes back into the 1950s, as does mine. In fact, uh, when I was in junior high, now they call it middle school in most places, 7th uh, and 8th grades, that was the time when Russia launched the first satellite called Sputnik. Yes. And it stirred the mind and heart of Americans like nothing you could imagine today. That's right. The entire nation erupted right. in science and engineering and mathematics. And my best friends in junior high school were... Science Addicts. Yes.
1: <laughs> I no, mean, you're wrong. I remember those
0: days. Oh, man, I'll tell you. And we were building transistor radios, and we were... Uh, when I was 10 years old, there was a program. I can't remember what it was, $64,000 question or something like that. And uh, there was a 10-year-old boy, Robert Strom, who apparently was was presented as a scientific genius, And uh, so I began to uh, uh, memorize the uh, table of elements and uh, uh, all of the uh, planets and stars and all of this. I mean, I got into it triple time. And you did, too, didn't you?
1: Oh, I certainly did, yeah. It was kind of uh, just everywhere. Yeah, you're right. So So it's not
0: that you and I don't have any kind of affection for science.
1: Well, I, I have an affection for science within limits. Mm-hmm. But but scientism, as you pointed out earlier, is goes far beyond that, and it's actually a doctrine mm-hmm. in philosophy about knowledge. Um, have you ever witnessed somebody and they've said something like, hey, you can't prove that scientifically? Right. Well, what they're saying is that if you can prove it scientifically, then okay, we can know it. But if you can't prove it scientifically, you can't know it because there's no other way of knowing things outside of science. And um, Chuck, the reason this matters is that it is on the basis of possession of knowledge that we give people the right and the authority to speak in public and to act. And I'll give you an example. Uh, Dentists can can give a public talk at uh, any place they want to on molars or dental implants, and they have that they have that right to speak in public. Mm. They also have the right to do certain things, like fool around in your mouth, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and
1: uh, they have the boldness and courage to do so because they think that they have certain kinds of knowledge about what how teeth work. Now um, if my dentist said to me, look I gotta be honest with you, I'm about to go in now and I don't really know anything about molars but I have a bunch of very passionately held private beliefs about it and I care so much about my own personal beliefs about teeth and molars that I've actually hired a musician to develop a little a music uh, a CD that I play in my car, <laughs> and it's inspirational about dentistry. Uh, th- that dude's not getting 100 miles from my mouth. And, and so what you see has happened is if we, if we can, if the culture can convince the society, and even Christians, that when Christians make claims about right and wrong, they, they may be faith commitments, but that nobody, including Christians, don't really know they're true, then what that's going to do is cause Christians to lose their boldness and courage, and it's, it's going to cause unbelievers to feel justified in just completely disregarding us like they would astrology. Well, not I mean, only
0: that, but it's also going to cause the younger generation to doubt the truths of the Scripture to doubt that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only truth and the only life, because after all, from the view of scientism, there's no way that that can be proven scientifically. Uh, It cannot be tested, uh, experimented, and therefore to cast doubt on your assertion. And here's what it's led to. Let's talk about statistics. For the past five years, It has been established that of supposedly, purportedly professing Christian young people today, that is, millennials and under, only 20% of them believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, the only Mm -hmm. truth, and the only life. Why is that? Because their belief system has been decimated by scientism.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you, you, you're so right, and and Barna did a study that indicated that the reason 37 and under leaving the church and abandoning Christianity for agnosticism or atheism, the six top reasons were all, I, I believe it or not, intellectual reasons. They had doubts when they expressed them, they were shunned. Mm-hmm. The church doesn't help us learn how to relate our Christian ideas to science, and so what 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 has happened is because scientism is just taught and taught and taught without using the word, then when when kids leave our youth groups uh, and go to college or go into the workforce, they're, they're like they're, they don't know how to defend what they believe, and consequently, guess what happened? All these areas of life that matter most: mm-hmm. ethics, religion, is there a purpose in life? What should the state do and and what should the state not do? These are all things that are now postmodern relativism, because if you can't know one way or the other about anything in these areas of life, then the only other alternative is just to be a postmodern relativist and say, well, you have your truth, mm-hmm. I have my truth, nobody knows, and so well, let's you know be tolerant, and I'll tolerate your truth, and you tolerate my truth. Well, that, look what that's got us.
0: Well, exactly, and uh, I think what people don't realize is that the roots of this go way, way back. Way back, uh, yeah. And if, if we were to look at a modern-day contrast, and I say modern day in the last, uh, say, 250 years. Yes. The last 250 years, back to the days of the so-called enlightenment and the founding of this country, we would find that there were two great revolutions in the world. One was called the American Revolution in 1776. The other was called the French Revolution in 1789. Oh, yeah. You got it. Yep. What we saw in the American Revolution was based upon faith. It was based in belief in a creator God and the fear of the Lord that would sustain a moral and virtual people, yep. virtuous That's people. Right. That's the right. French Revolution repudiated all morality because it repudiated the authority of faith and family and all other authority and exalted what was called reason as the new god right that's where our problem is
1: well and and scientism has just fed that fire it, exactly. it really has
0: has normalized
1: and, it oh it is it has mm-hmm. and um parents and youth directors and pastors and people that listen to a show like yours and thank god for shows like yours, uh, we need another ten thousand of them. But uh, those kinds of people uh, need to get your book or my book, Scientism and Secularism, and familiarize themselves. The book is written at a level where people can get, can understand it. there are a couple of tough chapters, but the rest of it will give a parent enough oh, input to know how to guide their son or daughter to avoid this and know what to say. Or grandchildren. Our grand... I've got five of them. I've yeah, got i got ten do... of them. <clears throat> well, yeah, dude, <laughs> you've doubled me on that one. <laughs> I mean, we're not
0: exactly in competition here.
1: You know. But... <laughs> Well, and I and I'm sure you uh, pray every day for the world they're going to grow up in.
0: Oh, well, let me tell you, uh, well, I consider our grandchildren right now the number one ministry that we have. Absolutely. Uh, even considering this radio program, all the books that I write, speaking yep, whatever. Yep. Same here. It, that is the the ultimate ministry because. Absolutely. In, in fact, uh, my oldest grandson, 25 years of age, uh, just finished his second year in medical school, one of the preeminent medical schools in the land, yes. and he is lamenting. He says, I cannot even talk in a rational way with my fellow medical students. They are so indoctrinated. Yeah. Now, he doesn't call it scientism, but that's exactly what it is.
1: That's exactly what it is. Uh, whether you know the see, the p- point is, that I'll bet you a lot of your listeners now have, n- have perhaps not heard the word, but they've, they've, they've been around the concept. I had a guy come up to me who had a Ph.D. in physics from Johns Hopkins, and I was speaking evangelistically at a home, and I was warned about this guy. He hates Christians, and, and I said, he's going to come after you. So for the talk, he comes up to me, walks in the door, and we're at the hors d'oeuvre table and says, Say! I understand you're a philosopher and a theologian. And I said, well, you know, I give it my best shot. And he said, you know, I used to be interested in that stuff when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. But when I grew up and matured intellectually, I began to realize that the only thing we can know is, are things you can quantify and test empirically in the lab. And if you can't do that, it's nothing but a bunch of hot air an idle opinion. Well I let him go for two or three minutes and he made about 40 assertions and I stopped him and I said I got a problem, maybe you can help me. You've said 40 or 50 things and I can't think of a single thing that's come out of your mouth that could be quantified and tested in the laboratory through scientific methods. Now if I'm wrong, tell me what statement you made that could be tested scientifically. But do you see my dilemma if I'm right about this, it means that by your own standards, what you've been doing the last two or three minutes is nothing but spouting hot air and idle opinion. Well, I, you would have thought I'd pull that guy's pants down.
2: <laughs> and,
1: uh, you know, and uh, he, uh, he, he was literally uh, – and, Chuck, I'm not kidding you, he was white in the face. Nobody had ever stood up to this guy. And I was firm but not mean, uh, I don't think. Uh, Maybe I was, I don't know. But um, scientism is self-refuting. It's like the statement, there are no truths, no sentences longer than three words. Uh, Statements like that make themselves false. And scientism is a philosophical statement that says that there are no philosophical statements that that can be true and that we can know are true because only scientific statements can be known to be true. Well, that statement itself is not scientific, and so it is self-refuting. Well, (laughs) science itself,
0: the the interesting thing about science uh, at its root is that uh, you have hypotheses, and they are tested, and in your testing through experiments and so on, you're either... Uh, validating or refuting your hypothesis, and so science becomes a whole series of uh, hypotheses and experiments and re- refutations, and they keep changing. What kind of a belief system is that? We'll be right back. <laughs>
2: Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org.
0: Our guest today here on Viewpoint, J.P. Moreland. He's uh, a friend of this uh, broadcast and ministry. been here so many, many times on different subjects. Uh, brings a great deal of wisdom, even, yes, from the depths of Southern California. <laughs> and, uh, well, believe it or not, J.P., I spent 30 years there practicing law, so uh, <laughs> you're forgiven. But Thank
1: uh, you. I, I am from Kansas City originally. Yeah,
0: well, interesting. <laughs> I, I live there, too. So uh, you oh. and I have a lot of trekking around the country together.
1: Uh, yes, we have. But
0: your book, Scientism and Secularism, very, very important I think it's important for every pastor, for every youth pastor, for every parent, for every grandparent to get a hold of this book. Uh, it will be so helpful in understanding uh, what's going on. And Chuck, uh, hey, what? go ahead.
1: You know, you finished, and I wanted to mention something. Well,
0: it's a $17 book, friends, and we're making it available for $14 here on the program. It's on our website, saveus.org. Uh, saveus.org by the way, where you can listen to this program any time of the day or night, anywhere in the world and uh, uh, give us a call 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us uh, Go ahead, JP
1: Well, I want to pick up on something you said that was so important before the break that right. scientific theories are often changing and being revised Yes, uh, I've got to tell you a story about that uh, The first problem I pointed out with scientism is that it's self-refuting the second problem is that there are things that we know outside of science with greater certainty than some of the things we know in science mm-hmm. and i want to give an example all right good um... i would i have I've, I've been fighting cancer and i think i'm clear now but i've had several surgeries and i had uh, colon cancer removed in the hospital nine days, so I had several nursing groups come and see me. Uh-huh. One one day, there was a nursing, and three nurses came in to check my vitals, and the head nurse uh, said, well, what do you do for a living? And I said, well, I was a physical chemistry major in college, but then I went on and did a uh, master's in theology, and then an MA and PhD in philosophy, and I'm a philosophy professor. And she looked odd and said, well, that's kind of interesting. And I said, well, look, I'll bet I know what you're thinking right now. And <laughs> if you don't mind, I'd like to tell you what I think you're thinking, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. And she said, that's all right. And I said, you're thinking, well, gosh, you started off in a field where there you can really know whether you're right and wrong, because you can prove things. You can test them. But then you went into theology and philosophy, which are fields where they're kind of non-cognitive. You know, people have their feelings and express different theories, but at the end of the day, nobody can really know one way or the other where any of these are true. And she looked at me and said, that is exactly what I was thinking. And I said, well, did you know that I I know that torturing little babies for the fun of it with greater certainty than I know that there are such things as electrons? And she looked at me and said... What are you talking about? And I said, "Do you know anything about the history of the electron?" She said, "No." And I said, "Well, I've studied it." And I said, it, 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 "Years, centuries ago, the Germans thought electrons were waves, and J.J. Thomson uh, w- was the Britisher that claimed that electrons were particles. But he believed that an atom had eighteen hundred and thirty-seven electrons in it, like raisins." in plum pudding, and they didn't move. Later on, um, people believed the electron attracted protons, but it did so by creating a vortex in the ether. Yeah. And then later on, there was the Bohr electron, which, which followed the laws of Newton, and today we have the quantum electron, And I said, which electron, if somebody says, do you believe in an electron, my question is, which one do you mean? Now, do you think, I said to her, that in 50 years we may discover new evidence that will indicate that the electron as we currently think of it does not exist? And in fact, it's been replaced with a new model. Could that happen? And she said, well, (laughs) obviously. Uh, Well, because it's happened ever since the first electron was thought of. She said, yeah, I, I get it. I said, can you think of any evidence that can come in in the next 50 years that would show that the belief it's wrong to torture babies for fun is now irrational and a stupid thing to believe? Now, I'm not saying that culture might not get to the point where it doesn't believe that's wrong anymore. I'm saying I can't conceive of any new evidence we could discover that would show that's wrong. But now do you see my point? Uh, My belief that there are electrons has got to be tentative because it's quite Mm -hmm. plausible that in 50 years nobody will believe that the current quantum electron exists. Yeah well that's
0: that's right you know what you guys do a lot of surfing out there in California and they used to think you surfed on ether waves.
1: <laughs> well that guy had some bad had some bad weed, I think is what that, what that was all about. <laughs> but I, that was, I was trying to show her that there are ethical there's ethical knowledge that sometimes is not all the time, but is sometimes stronger than scientific claims. And and so this idea that science alone gives us knowledge is just nonsense. We have knowledge of all kinds of ethical assertions, even if we don't know how we know them. We still know them. God has given us a moral faculty that gives us an intuitive sense of the fundamental difference between right and wrong. That can be skewed. I agree with that. And that's why the word is so important. But even from that, from nature, we have a fundamental knowledge of, of right and wrong, and it's knowledge. It isn't belief. We know certain things are just flat wrong.
0: Well, it's interesting because you talk a little bit about that, uh, at least as I see it, when you talk about consciousness.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh,
0: and conscious states. And this is an area that science just. It tries to deal with, but it can't. It can't because it's outside the realm of I, I, scientific exploration.
1: Preacher brother, and
0: so you've got you you, you designate five kinds of conscious states: sensation, right. thought, belief, desire, and the act of the will. Yes, and uh, that's true. But science yes. cannot deal with any of them. The best Not at all. the best they can do is try to uh, figure out, well, what's the connection maybe between a person's belief or the state of mind yes. uh, electronically, shall we say, or electrically, and the choices that they make?
1: Well, brother, nobody denies that the brain doesn't affect our, our minds and our mind doesn't affect our brain. Because if you change the way you think, you can regroove your brain so that you have less anxiety. So nobody, you know... It says that one can't affect the other, but that doesn't prove they're the same thing. Right. I was invited to the, by somebody I did not know, a research scientist at the National Institute of Health mm. in Bethesda, Maryland, to come and give a lecture on the soul and consciousness. And I spoke to about 130 neuroscientists, and I I, I lectured an hour and had about 40 minutes of Mm Q&A, and I made two points. I said, when it comes to the question of what is consciousness and is there a soul, neuroscience has nothing whatsoever to contribute to the discussion, nothing. I said, when you look at the real discipline that deals with this, theology and philosophy, you will discover that the arguments that consciousness is non-physical and that there really is a soul are better than the arguments against it. And I am telling you, Chuck, they had almost nothing to say in the Q&A. Well, you know why? You know why?
0: I want to go back to something that uh, uh, it used to be in the days of Sir Isaac Newton that theology was called the queen of sciences yeah, absolutely
1: and people knew th- scientists knew theology
0: yeah they they and, and that was the foundation when absolutely. darwin came along it was so provocative that it uh, it basically uh, created an absolute attack against the idea that theology was the queen of sciences you're right. And so that introduced the idea of naturalism, another yes. ism, that parallels as a brother uh, to uh, scientism. Yes, that's right. And it reinfor- naturalism actually reinforces the deception of scientism, I think. Yes.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And in the book, uh, in Scientism and Secularism, I try to show that um, it, scientism has has given neuroscientists the right to say that we don't have a soul, we're just our brains, and at death we're extinct, but that that's just flat out not science, it's scientism, and I think that's a very important thing. By the way, I gotta tell you something. Um, Darwin thought he had ridded uh, science from theology, okay? Yep. But here's the funny thing. Ever since Darwin and he actually used this argument all the way up to the late Stephen Jay Gould and all, and all concurrent Darwinists. Here's the argument that they've made, and this is an argument, it's not just rhetorical. They say, look, if God were a designer, he would have designed this the panda's thumb or this organ a lot more efficiently than he did design it. And since the organ isn't all that efficient therefore, there is no God. Well, if you could use a model of God as a designer to derive scientific inferences that falsify the existence of God, why can't you do the same thing and find evidence that verifies the existence of God? These guys are talking out of both sides of their mouth. They're saying, look, they're saying, look, the concept of God has absolutely nothing to do with what we do in science. And then they turn around and draw theological conclusions from scientific data, that there can't be a designer because the canvas thumb wasn't designed efficiently. That's well, just here's, a,
0: here's a clear statement that validates what you're saying, and it comes from Michael Ruse, who uh, was an eminent sci- oh, yeah. scientific philosopher and ardent, ardent Darwinist. And here's yes. what he said. Evolution is promoted by its practitioners as more than mere science. Evolution, by the way, this is a direct quote. Evolution is promoted or promulgated as an ideology, a secular religion, a full-fledged alternative to Christianity. Evolution is a religion. This was true of evolution in the beginning, and it is still true of evolution today day we'll be right back after this break friends and we accomplished our mission that's scientism friends we'll be back
2: But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click sell church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click sell church.
0: He got his PhD for the University of Southern California, friends, one of the most respected. Uh, intellectual uh, universities in the country. And he's talking with us today, J.P. Moreland, talking with us today about the matter of scientism and secularism versus true science. Versus true science. Now, uh, J.P., I think one of the reasons why there's so much confusion about this is that in a very real sense, applied science does have many things that we can depend upon and that uh, prove themselves true, but that's in the realm of applied science. That's not in the realm of experimental science involving theories and experimentation, is it?
1: You're absolutely right. Thank God for applied science. No we're all grateful. Where would we be without applied science? Of course, thank Mm -hmm. God for it. That's not our our problem. I mean, just think
0: we wouldn't be talking to each other on the uh, the airways if it weren't for applied science.
1: Well, you're you're absolutely right and here's the funny thing. Um, In the history of science, there were a lot of theories that we now think were false that generated accurate predictions and helped develop technology in applied science. So, what that means is that a scientific theory doesn't actually have to be true in order for it to be useful. Now, a lot, of, I think sometimes a scientific theory is true, but I'm making the point that just because applied science, quote unquote, works and is useful, it doesn't follow from that that the scientific theory on which it's based is actually true, and the history of science demonstrates uh, that. It, maybe it's true, maybe it isn't true, but I wish scientists would just stay within the limits of what they're good at mm-hmm. and stop talking as though they know theology and philosophy and everything else where the stuff gets really interesting.
0: J.P., we have a, a, a phrase for that in the law. It's called Exceeding the Scope of Your Privilege. Oh, my gosh, Exceeding yeah. the Scope of Your I Privilege. I like it.
1: I like that. It's, that's a keeper. <laughs> see, uh, you know what, lawyers are up,
0: worth something.
1: Well, when I get up in the morning, you know, every morning I get up, and there are bikers out on the lawn, I give them coffee, and I'm going to share this with them and see what they think about it. Yeah, you know, out in California, yeah. we don't get up and pick the flowers. We, we greet the bikers. There you go. <laughs> well,
0: uh, this is... I, Here's what I'd like to do in the final uh, uh, 10 minutes here that we have together. We've been talking about uh, trying to identify scientism, Mm -hmm. distinguishing it from uh, legitimate and true science, uh, realizing that it cannot uh, replace uh, belief, uh, religious belief, consciousness, uh, the decisions of, of humankind. So what we need to talk about right now, you're a professor at Biola University. Uh, it's one of the uh, premier uh, Christian universities in the country. Uh, a uh, perennial uh, opponent to Azusa Pacific University from mm-hmm. which I graduated. Oh, right. And uh, so, you know, we have a little tension there, but uh, <laughs> if it helps, my sister graduated from Biola, number one in her class, summa cum laude. Uh, so, we have, right in our own family, we have this dynamic tension. Can you forgive yeah. me for that?
1: I'm I'm working on it.
0: Okay, okay. So <laughs> that being the case, uh, we're concerned not about discussing this in the abstract, but about talking about how this is affecting professing Christians, and particularly yeah. those 40 years of age and under.
1: Well, Go for it. Brother, it's causing them, as you pointed out earlier, to to have doubts and and even come to think that their Christian ideas are ultimately just kind of based on what their parents taught them and their personal feelings, but they really can't stand up when they start getting asked questions they don't know how to answer, and so they get embarrassed, and they just end up giving up. Uh, or else they just hide and become sort of minimal Christians, and I don't want that. I, I want my grandkids uh, and and the people I minister to in my classes to have confidence and boldness that what we hold as Christians is not only true, but we can actually know it's true. There are solid reasons for it, and that science. Thank God for science, but not for scientism because uh it limits knowledge to the hard sciences and it under it cuts the rug out from underneath religion theology ethics and all kinds of other things. All
0: right, I'm going to make a statement here uh and you you tell me what you think of this. Scientism is to religion and science what political correctness is to uh moral and uh uh, moral truth in fact, to cultural truth, political correctness and scientism are bedfellows
1: well and that 's because they 're both bullies. Uh, they bully you if you if you leave the if you leave the reservation and you say something that is not allowed by advocates of scientism or political correctness, then you 'll get shunned and uh, you won't you won't get a good argument you'll lose your job you there you have it and uh, so it, it it's it's a very very dangerous situation that we're in today and it's hard to have honest discussions with people about let's say evolution mm-hmm. uh, and just calm down and would you at least hear what I've got some evidence I've got tell me what you think of this evidence
0: and this is why we have... Respected Christian leaders and scientists, yes, who are increasingly lured into, uh, you might say, pressured by the culture into adopting alternative theories, yep, to try to explain creation the without idea of God,
1: evolution. Yes, yeah, I, it just drives me nuts, and I and I, I, it just breaks my heart, brother. And I and you're absolutely right. Uh, we're cowered into it.
0: Now, you're teaching there at Biola. Yes. And I know that within our Christian universities are the same pressures that are taking place in the secular universities. Yes. And you're having to deal with this. Yes. How do you deal with it? Are you mocked by your students? Uh, How are you dealing with this?
1: Well, the real problem is that... uh, I would say 80% of the Christian colleges and universities have just caved in. Yep. They've become secular. And what, so if a parent is going to send... quasi-secular. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. If, if a parent's going to send a, a, a son or daughter to a Christian college, you need to check, number one, do, do, do your faculty believe in Adam and Eve, a literal Adam and Eve, and a real historic fall... Do they believe that uh, Jesus Christ rose from the dead and is the only way to God? And are they pro-life? Uh, and do they consider that to be one of the most important, if not the most important, social issues? Because schools that have caved will not say yes to those three questions. And yeah. Those are just little guides for people to give them help and how to select a school.
0: Well, t- just to talk about how serious this is, just in the last several months, my alma mater went through a major attack Yes. Uh, to try to force the university to accept uh, homosexuality, transgenderism, all of the popular cultural things because of this spirit of scientism and
1: political. You're absolutely right. Oh, you're absolutely right. I trust that. And and you see you put your finger on the fundamental thing that's underlying all of this, and that's what I try to do in scientism and secularism, that that these these things are just surface manifestations of the underlying issue that, Mm -hmm. that you can't know anything outside science, and so political correctness and relativism has taken. Who are you to say somebody who wants to be, two gay people want to be married, just to say they shouldn't be? If they love each other, well, what if they're not made by God to function that way? Well, you, you can't bring that in because nobody knows that.
2: Right, well, yes, because we you do. can't
0: allow a divine foot in the door.
1: There you go, brother. That's yeah. right. And I say hooey p- 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 on that.
0: So secularism is being driven by scientism. It's the ether wave, shall we say, upon which secularism is being driven uh, throughout the entire Western world.
1: And it's time for Christians to get their heads out of the sand, learn what this is, why it's dangerous, and how to respond to it before our kids accelerate their exodus from Christianity.
0: And yet, I dare say that if there were a thousand pastors listening to our program today and youth pastors, at least half of them would come up with an argument that, well, if I do that, then I'm going to lose the young people and we're already losing them, therefore I have to capitulate.
1: Well, you know, the founder of this thing got himself killed. and um, you mean, You're not talking
0: about Christ, are you?
1: Uh, I, I was going there, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I don't think he was, I don't know that he was a capitulator to you. I mean, I'm, I could be wrong about it, but I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, I'd kind of like to be like him. Uh, and, you know, that's what this is about. You mean so he
0: actually sh- watched... As five hundred of his followers just walked away because they couldn't buy into yeah the truth yeah.
1: well I'd rather do that than just capitulate because what do you what do you give people at the end of the day yeah something so watered down doesn't have any strength to it
0: well what does it profit a man if he gains the whole of oh. uh, the whole approbation of science and loses soul
1: that's it my friend.
0: Mm. You are a blessing, J.P. Moreland. So are
1: you, Chuck. Thank you for having me on.
0: I kind of think we're just a couple of brothers. What do you think?
1: I do, too. A couple old coots that just are still (laughs) swinging, aren't we? We're We're still still, swinging. Right. (laughs) Friends,
0: the book, Scientism and Secularism, it's a $17 book, just hot off the press, really. And uh, it's yours for $14 here on the program today. It's on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. I urge you to tell your friends, Romans and Countrymen, about the program there on our website. Uh, if you value it, perhaps they will too. And even if they don't, they need to be exposed. They need to know. They need to have the opportunity to make a decision. You see, Jesus is very open. He extends the invitation to believe to everyone. But he's also limited in that only those who, who join with him, who believe, will be saved. So he's both inclusive and exclusive. Mm -hmm. Inclusive and exclusive. Very tolerant, but ultimately you either believe or you do not. Scientism. Friends, it's a scary thing because it seems so true. That's the nature of deception. Get a copy of the book. It's on our website, saveus.org. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Learn how to respond to this dangerous ideology that is sweeping through. Not only our schools, colleges, and universities, but the entire professing Christian community throughout the Western world, including the minds and hearts of many of our pastors. I want to urge you to become a partner. We can't do this by ourselves, friends. Uh, This is difficult stuff. It's like paddling a canoe straight up Niagara Falls. The issues of our time are not primarily political. They're primarily spiritual. That's what we've been talking about. I hope you will become a partner. Go to our website, saveus.org, and make a generous gift there. Give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA or write to us. God bless. Be a blessing. Get a copy of the book, read it, and then begin to talk over it with your children, grandchildren, and I believe that God will bless you.